Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. This time I want to talk about a couple of things. The flu in China, the Wuhan coronavirus, what the U.S. consumer is doing, how the holiday season go, and spend a little time on some of the more complex questions. There's not a lot of excitement in the numbers. The uh, reporting agencies don't like to stress themselves out in January. And besides, they don't get any new data in December. So there's not a lot going on. We'll start getting more and more of that stuff all the time. But unemployment is still three and a half. Oil is back down to 54. The yield curve looks fine. And mortgages are still 3.6. What's going in China right now with the Wuhan coronavirus is indicative of what we had in 2003 when we had an outbreak of the SARS, S-A-R-S, also a coronavirus, also originated in China, made several thousand people ill worldwide, ultimately killed about 700 people. For a question of scale, the influenza and coronavirus, as I understand it, is a version of what we call flu. The pandemic of 1917, likely the most devastating epidemic in world history, that includes the Black Plague, killed 25 or so million worldwide, probably more. Records weren't that good. And some 675,000 just in the U.S., more than were killed in World War I. Flu outbreak. Things have gotten a lot better. The last couple have come from China because there's a lot of uh, animals, which are where a lot of these viruses come from. And they're trying to do a good job containing it. They did a pretty good job with SARS. Here they are scraping the countryside, preparing to set up a temporary hospital. Well, it'll be done in six days. It's cost them a lot of money. They don't want the world to think that they're some kind of third-rate nation that can't control what's going on. And they're not. This is the New Year's spending season, travel season, very important to the Chinese. And there's millions of them locked in their apartments because they really don't let them out. They'll fix it. I don't think this will be dramatic. And any news you pick up that says, oh, gee, the market is correcting because of the Wuhan flu, don't believe it. Holiday sales this Christmas was fine. Not a record breaker. It was fine. The U.S. consumer was out buying stuff. And lo and behold, they're still saving the way they have. We're up about 8% of personal savings as a percentage of disposable income. That's good. That is a conservative consumer. The uh, home sales are doing okay. They fluctuate from month to month. But the trend is pretty good. It's uh, people starting new homes and buying up. However, we've got great new numbers on loan originations, mortgages. Not all of them are about new homes. There's a lot of refis. There's a lot of people that are happy to go from a 4.5 to a 3.6. Yeah, it's a new mortgage. Or do some remodeling. Anyway, the consumer side of things is doing fine. No inflation. There have been a couple of questions about, gee, are we going to have a recession in 2020? Well, my answer is no. GDP in the fourth quarter of 2019 will probably come in about 
2.2%. The first quarter of 2020, I still think is going to be in the high ones. We're not anywhere near recessionary levels. And even if we were magically to have a recession, it has very little impact on the markets. Just a few jobs if the source of the recession is some bubbles someplace. And again, we don't have any. I get some questions. A lot of them I answer directly because they're quite specific. Then there's some big, big ones. This right here is the total stock market valuation against GDP. This is a favorite of Warren Buffett's at Berkshire Hathaway. It's a little, it's a little high. In some respects, this is a great example of what's going on in the stock market compared to GDP for your average person that just takes a casual view. And Warren is a master of this stuff. The markets are a little ahead. They've been growing faster than US GDP. There's a lot of reasons. But whatever it is, this is a good, uh, it's a good graphic. Now, Berkshire Hathaway has only recently not outperformed the S&P 500. Those of you that follow this, keeping pace with the S&P 500 the last 40 years is a very, very hard thing to do. Nothing has done that. Masters paintings, nothing. Gold, Berkshire Hathaway's done a pretty good job. It's a good investment shop, and they still are. Just for an example, people in the office have created this graph for me. Gee, look at that. Apple, in the last few years, has outperformed both the S&P 500 and Berkshire Hathaway. I digress. There are a lot of good indicators out there to give you a generalization that maybe the market is a little overvalued. The market is a little overvalued. It'd be great to have a 25% correction. It's not going to be started by the flu outbreak in China or anything foreseen right now. We just need to correct some prices. It's just been a long time. This right here is why the S&P 500 has done so well. It's earnings, it's earnings per share. This is from 1935. That's a very steep slope, about 7%. That's what the earnings have done. That's what corporate America has done. That's why it's so hard to beat. Another repeating question asked by a lot of people, and I encourage these questions that I can give the appearance of being a little cavalier about the total amount of federal government debt. Here it is. We're coming up on 24 trillion, tiny bit more than GDP. Treasuries, well, you can look at it a lot of ways. I'll tell you this, governments are not mortal. Governments don't have a lot of Puritan ethic where they think, gee, I gotta pay this off because I'll feel better and do better when I get rid of this debt. It's a very different thing to governments. And don't plan on seeing this debt reduced or go away. Very unlikely. The issue you should always ask your representatives and keep in your mind is how quickly is it growing and why? Then you have something. The way I look at it is the market values these things. And here it is since about 1983. When the yields go down, and this is the yield on the 30-year, probably the most important treasure is the 30-year. Also the hardest to find, by the way. The yields are on their way down for a variety of reasons, but the most important is they're often purchased as quickly as they become available. In fact, there's always people waiting to buy them 
on new issues. When yields go down, that means the price is going up. That's the way bonds work. People are bidding them up, the yield goes down. I really hate it when the media says, oh, yields were crushed because of the virus out of China. Well, yields are crushed is good news because that means the price is going up, people are buying them. And this is what's been happening for all of these years. People buy them because there's no alternative. You have a lot of money, you run a bank, you run a government, you run a pension plan all around the globe, there is only treasuries. I've had a couple of people ask me, why don't we buy some German bonds? They have a AAA rating, one of the few countries with a AAA rating, higher than the US, by the way. And my response is, great, the entire German government bond market is about $9 billion. We trade that in the US bond market in two hours. Not nearly enough liquidity there. It's treasuries. You can take a subtle piece of pride that the U.S. Treasury for a hundred years has kept its promises and made this paper as valuable as it is. Okay, ask the question of an elected representative, keep track of it. Please view it as a very important asset, not as a moral obligation because it's not going to get paid off. Finally, uh, this is Australia and these are the fires. This is bad news. If you've been there, you know that as a rule, there's really only about 50 or 100 miles of real fertile land around the rim, the coasts of Australia. If you've been in the interior, you'll know there is nothing, nothing there. So these fires caused by drought 2017, unfortunately, there's a little arson. There's a number of other things going on. The fires are very damaging to agriculture there. The soil is just fertile enough to keep going if you're on top of it and you husband your water well. It's not like Iowa where there's 15 feet of very fertile topsoil and it rains all the time. They don't have those issues with Australia, it's work. And when this land, cropland, watershed gets torched, it takes a long time for it to recover. This bad thing, call it global warming, it's pretty much the result of a combination of factors. Anyway, <clears throat> I'd like to see the market correct, quote me on that. And I'm happy to deal with questions anytime you want. It's at info at shwj.com. Thanks for joining me.